that testimony I mentioned a few minutes ago where this Nazi prison guard, concentration camp guard, walked up to Corey Tenboom, who had been one of the worst in their concentration camp, and said to her, I have come to faith in Jesus. My sins are forgiven. Ladies and gentlemen, you want to picture something there? You picture Lucifer running out of that building with his tail between his legs. That is a defeat for the enemy. And glory to God. Glory to God. We have been a, being guided through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. The one who animated Jesus' words, God the Holy Spirit, upon whom he depended. And he has been, we, we are now in chapter 6, and last week we began what is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. It's called that because in Luke's Gospel, the disciples came to Jesus probably later. After watching Jesus incessantly, Jesus was a man of prayer. Jesus is, Jesus is God the Son become flesh. If there anybody is anybody that ought to be able to just walk through this life's experience just full of himself, it's Jesus. But he didn't. He was a man of incessant prayer, so much so that the apostles came to him. Lord. Would you teach us to pray? They had the book of Psalms. They had all kinds of material they could reference in their Jewish heritage. But they watched Jesus, and as never before, they were gripped by the necessity of prayer, of being humble, humble, humble before God. And so they went to Jesus, it's found in the Luke's gospel, Lord, teach us to pray. And he taught them this same prayer. And I'm sure that as he's explaining, to, oh, yes, we've heard this before. And here we find it in this, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, beginning in verse 9. And in this manner, therefore, pray, he says to the disciples that are gathered at his feet. And we began this last week, our Father in heaven that creator God who holds the creation the Bible says in the span of his hand that's a big God whole creation in the span of his hand but he's our father He is fully with us and devoted to us. And just as last week, I had Dorothy come up, and who already was holding uh, then three and a half week, now about four and a half week, <laughs> Judah. And she modeled for us as she's holding him. She's I'm the one really getting the sermon to begin with because I'm saying words while she's doing this. <laughs> and so I had her come up and just hold Judah. That's how God is with us all the time, never taking his eyes off of us, present in all of who he is. And we can authentically say to the creator God, our 
Father. In other, Abba, Abba, Father. Daddy, Papa. That was the word used by little children of their father. Our father in heaven, as I noted last week, we tend when we read in heaven, we tend to think, well, that's where he is. Yes, he is there, but he is also here. And the idea is not of his remoteness. The idea of his, of his power. We could say our heavenly father and I think it more, might more accurately communicate the idea because he is heavenly in the sense that all of heaven's resources accompany him wherever he is. And heaven's resources are only heaven's resources because of his presence. And so wherever we go, the God with all power who loves us, who's devoted to us, who demonstrated his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, is with us in all of who he is. Every resource available. Our Father in heaven, hallowed your kingdom, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. We read from Psalm 99. What's one of God's names? El Noshe. God who forgives. That's one of his names. So on those instances, when you might need some forgiveness, you might want to be able to recite that name. <laughs> El Noshe. I have blown it so bad. I need you. Hallow your name. El Noche, the God who forgives. Now, 1 John 2, 1 and 2. My little children, these things I write to you that you might not sin. It's always a bad idea to sin. Don't do it. Okay, can we agree on that right now? We will all stop sinning right now. My little children, these things I write to you that you might not sin. And if anyone sins, <gasps> we, John includes himself, <laughs> have an advocate, a defense attorney, a, a high priest with the Father. Even Jesus Christ, the fully qualified righteous one. Now, some of you are old enough to remember Perry Mason. <laughs> Until, okay? Never lost a case. Well, the one case he lost, the next episode it was fixed and she was really innocent. Never lost a case. Let me tell you something, folks. It's got to be frustration city for Lucifer. It says in Revelation chapter 12 that Lucifer, Satan, stands before the throne of God day and night accusing the brethren. Accusing you and I of sins, and he doesn't have to make anything up. And they, the brethren, overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, they didn't back down when the heat was applied. 
And because they did not love their lives, even to death, Satan's threats against us here in our earthly walk didn't have the effect he purposed. We, the brethren, chose death rather than disloyalty to Jesus. El Noche, God who forgives, hallow your name, Lord. We prayed for people's healing. Yahweh Rapha, in Exodus 15, where the, the bitter waters, Moses was commanded to cut a tree and throw the tree into the, into the water, and they became sweet. And God told them, this is my name, Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals. And you, I am telling you this so that in your sicknesses, in your diseases, you can call out to me in that name, the one who turns your bitter life experience, whether outside or inside your physical being, you can call on me as the Lord who heals, Yahweh Rapha. Oh, Lord, my life is in such turmoil. My life attacks coming from disruption, needs that are not being met. Call on me. As Yahweh Shalom, the Lord who provides, the Lord who of peace. The whole the idea of Shalom isn't just peace in the sense of a lack of conflict. It's all the abundance that comes to us when we have authentic peace. Shalom is a gigantic word. Call on me as Yahweh Shalom. The Lord our peace. Lord, I can't handle the attacks that are coming. I can't handle the things that are being said to me. It may even be an act of physical aggression. You can call on Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies. He is your defender. He is, he is the Lord, your shepherd. What does that shepherd care? It says in Psalm 23, he carries a rod and a staff. And I, when I, the sheep, see that rod in his hand and that staff, I'm comforted when I see that he's got the right equipment. What's that rod for? It's to beat off the predators, the wolves that would come in and tear me apart. But it's also that shepherd's crook that he reaches in and puts that crook around me and pulls me out of the messes I get myself in. That is... Uh, Yah, the Lord of Armies is uh, Yahweh Sabaoth. It's not Sabbath. It's S-A-B-A-O-T-H. Yahweh Sabaoth. And the Lord, my shepherd, is Yahweh Rohi. See, these are all, I can give you a list of all these names. <laughs> I've got them all printed out. That's what I'm reading off of. I'm just saying, folks, these names are there not just to satisfy your interest. They are there as weapons, as tools. His name is what we are to go before him with. 
Hallow your name. Make a testimony for yourself before men and angels through my life experience. I am here to be used by you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Set, set your name apart. Sanctify your name so that people will say, that's oh. What kind of a God do you have that allows, that sets, that sets him free to forgive you? See, most of the world doesn't know anything about forgiving gods. Most of the world doesn't know anything about gods who are good. Seriously, folks, Buddha's not good. Those Hindu gods and goddesses aren't good. The sprites and fairies that the animists, the people in Africa and other parts of Asia worship, none of them are good. You've got a good God. And when they see a good God is blessing you, they, that sets them up for the gospel, the good news. Our Father in heaven with all of heaven's power and resources available to you, set your name apart in my life. Your kingdom come. <coughs> now, if you get the newspaper, or if you look at Maggie, who do, you know they all are always talking about the same people? They're always talking about the people, everybody, the wealthy people, and the people that are entertainers and that have gotten the eyes, eyes of the world on them. What, who are we going to be talking about a thousand or ten thousand years into the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ? Are we going to be talking about that guy who used to be a billionaire ten thousand years ago? Are we going to be talking about the people like ourselves? who are experiencing the everlasting, wonderful, blessed kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that makes those people look like paupers? I don't think we're going to be focused on them. Your kingdom come. And this book spends a lot of time talking about the glory of that kingdom. God himself, Revelation 21, is going to be tabernacled with us. We will be spending time with God himself. Do you know in the eternal reign of Christ, there's no temple? Because he spent, he's going to be spending his time face to face with us. Wherever we are on the planet. Your kingdom come. That's my hope. That's my expectation. And so the fact that I didn't get to live in Nero's palace or the White House or Buckingham Palace... Yeah. And so I'm living in the presence of the Creator God. I'm actually watching the four living creatures lead in worship, and I'm joining them in the worship of, and that is what we're going to be wanting to do. It is the greatest pleasure we will ever have in the eternality of our lives will be standing before our God giving worship and praise to him. And you know what? It's never going to get boring. You know why it's never going to get boring? 
because we have a God that is so outrageously fantastic, we can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk about how great he is, and it will never get old because we'll never be done. I mean, frankly, folks, I'm done talking about how great Elvis was in about 90 seconds. <laughs> okay? I don't know if I can go that long. Or whoever you put name, whoever, whatever name you put in there. But our God, we are going to be reveling in the glory and joy of just being before him who redeemed us and brought us into that experience. Now I'm going to freak you out. I'm going to read the last three verses of Isaiah. Get ready. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Now is freak out time. And they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me, for their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. They shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. We're told this not only there in Isaiah, but in the book of Revelation, right outside the New Jerusalem will be the lake of fire. And as we go in and out of the New Jerusalem, Hey, Lucifer, how's that working out for you? And so with all of those other fallen angels and fallen human beings who refused to repent. I can remember as a new believer, the first time I read that verse, I said, yikes, how awful, how ugly. Why would I want to do that? But you know what, folks, <coughs> please bear with me. The longer I've studied our God, the more the longer I've studied his ways, the more I've studied his, his mercy and he's disclosed his mercy and his grace. The more, can I say, comfortable I've become with that. Because there won't be anybody there. You know, God cannot be, cannot be unjust. And on display in the eternal reign of Christ, through those whom he redeemed, he's redeemed will be on display his mercy. But there also will be the display of his justice that will magnify and amplify that mercy. Our Father in heaven, Set your name apart. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. That's my hope. That's my expectation.
that is the, and it's solid. It's solid. That's why those who are martyred, those who have such a steadfast witness and trust in Christ that when they are put in the position of trusting God such that they choose to forfeit their lives rather than be disloyal to Jesus, they're dying with smiles on their face. I just love that testimony. You'll remember this about three years ago, was it? Maybe more. When ISIS lined up over 20 Egyptian Christians in orange suits on the beach of the Mediterranean, and they gave those men the chance to repent and become Muslims, and every one of them refused. And there was one man there who was not an Egyptian who had been working with these men. He was from Sudan. He stopped the proceedings, and he said, no, 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 I want to die with them. And he put on an orange suit, and he got down beside them. Can we say powerful witness? Here was a Sudanese man who was not a Christian, who upon the event of seeing these men about to give their lives, says, no, me too. And he cast himself upon the mercy of God in Christ, and he kneeled down beside them and gave his life. Can we say as powerful a testimony as any human being could render? Why were those men enabled to do that? Yes, the Holy Spirit was dwelling within them. He was giving them the energy. But what was their expectation? Your kingdom! I am about to be brought, ushered into the very presence of the holy, welcoming, merciful, gracious, redeeming God. What could be better? And so their persecutors <laughs> Do you think that might have had an effect on some of the, the executors? The executioners? I would dare say Our Father in heaven, set your name apart. Your kingdom come. That is our expectation. And so Christians can die with an authentic love and trust. We just, this last Wednesday, uh, Marilyn Cordovano was in our Bible study and she had just she and her husband had just come back from Nevada her almost 105 year old mother <laughs> is like okay Jesus please I'm ready <laughs> she's been a Christian for I don't know how many decades I'm ready no fear nothing but glorious expectation I'm going to tell you something folks Bill Gates doesn't have that Unbelievers don't have that. I don't care who they are or what their past life experience has been. Only those who have authentically entrusted themselves to Christ 
and his work on the cross have that powerful expectation. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I'm putting your agenda ahead of mine. Have you ever tried to tell God what the blessing's got to look like? Really, God, here's, if you really are going to bless me in the way that I, I, let me tell you how it ought to be. Don't do that. I mean, let me just save you some time (laughs) and frustration. Let God tell you because his plans are so much better, so much better. Your will be done. Next week, we will pick up with an amplification on that. But ladies and gentlemen, it can't get better than God doing his will. Our Father, we do thank you that you are our Father. It is absolutely frightening what could have been our experience as rebels in your creation. But because you are like what you are like, you are the loving Redeemer, God. You have completely changed the expectation that would have been sensibly ours. We are so thankful that you are like what you are like. We ask that you would enable us to walk in the reality of who you are this week. And again, we pray that when you give us that open door to tell somebody else the truth of the gospel, you will keep us alert to that and give us that Holy Spirit nudge that walks us through that door. We ask for that for this week for your praise. And we ask this in your name, Good Shepherd, Redeemer Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen.